we had an agreement. My wife helped me in the business and I worked five days a week and three nights a week in order to get us started. Um, I think the biggest difficulty was finding my lane in the States. Back when I started in the insurance business in the early nineties, uh, insurance agents uh, didn't go to people's houses and they didn't work from home. So welcome to the Meaningful Jobs podcast season two. I'm your host, Adrian, and today we're extremely honored to welcome a fellow podcaster from I Work For Him, uh, Jim. How are you, Jim? Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great, Adrian. You didn't want to try my last name? Oh, well, it's too long. Um, you, you you kind of figured out that I didn't want to take the risk. I get it. It's, it's Jim yeah. Brang- Brangenberg. It's a little, get a little German hit to it, but yeah. Right, right. Well, <laughs> um, I guess people might have got it wrong in the past and I didn't want to find uh, a few back. times maybe maybe um, well but yeah thanks for um, coming to my show um, and I guess before I ask you perhaps um, how your podcast is and you know, how you got started can you tell us a little bit about your career trajectory like um, perhaps you know way back when you graduated and you know how you got into um, you know where you are I'm happy to do so. So when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. uh, during the summers, I worked for one of the teachers from the high school, digging ditches, uh, digging foundations for porches, digging foundations for decks. And he was the math, a math teacher who was also a computer teacher. Mm -hmm. And he was a mentor to me. And he said, Jim, the computers are the wave of the future. So you should get a computer science degree. And uh, he didn't know me that well. I was just a really good ditch digger and a really good foundation digger. I needed to make money. And he paid (laughs) five bucks an hour. So which was great. Uh, You know, back in the early 80s, that was a pretty decent wage. And so when I went to I went to a small school in southwestern Minnesota called Mankato State University. If any of your listeners ever watched Little House on the Prairie, the Ingalls from Little House on the Prairie went to Mankato to get supplies back in the 1800s. <laughs> so, so I have a computer science degree with a business minor. Uh, and what I realized as I got out into the computer world, I had been trained on big computers. They, they used to call them mainframe computers. But the world had shifted to PCs in the late 80s. Right. And everything I had been trained on didn't matter unless I was going to work for some big monster organization. And I was the kind of guy that didn't really function well in big organizations because I asked questions. Mm. Um, But I eventually ended up selling uh, PC hardware, not Apple hardware, because Apple back then was only dealing in education. Uh, And so I sold PC hardware. I got to be pretty decent at the hardware world. But my dad, when I got to my mid-20s, my dad said, okay, You got a computer science degree. I told you, you should have been in sales. Why don't you come sell insurance with me? And so I went and started an insurance career that lasted for 30 years. Mm -hmm. It also incorporated a couple of other things on the side, but I actually sold personal insurance. So people's car and home insurance and then commercial insurance for a small business. And uh, uh, that was a career I loved. I loved selling because I loved the relationships with my customers. Mm -hmm. I loved finding what the last guy or gal missed when yeah. selling the commercial insurance so that I could plug the hole and 
get a new customer. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I loved the interaction, but on the side, it's kind of fun as part of, as an insurance agent, I also opened up a used car dealership oh, because wow. I had a goal to drive a different car every week, which yeah. I did for 15 years, but I sold cars to my insurance clients because in the <laughs> States, people call their insurance agents to say, okay, if I buy this car, what will it cost me on my insurance? And I'd say, really? I have a car like that. I could sell you a car. Yeah. So it, at the end of that career, before I worked for him started, I also got back into the IT managed services business. I, I was an insurance agent and I sold hard hardware and software as a service uh, to small businesses. It was, again, that was my niche. It was always that small business, which is what drives a lot of the economy in the United States is the small businesses. And, and that's really where I got today. But mm. in and amongst that, in that career, um, I also found faith in Jesus and it I, transformed my thinking. Mm. And I also noticed a dichotomy, a, 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 a bifurcation between people who said they were followers of Jesus and how they acted in business. And that is really what launched I work for him and my passion for what we do today. Wow. So, um, and I think you said that your podcast is reaching to its 2,500th episode, right? So right. we're on our way to 2,500 episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were on radio as well as podcasting right from the start. Okay. And so every episode we did on the radio, we mm -hmm. podcast it right from the beginning. So if any of your listeners want a, a laugh, they should yeah. go back and listen to episode one and mm -hmm. two. Uh, they were a little rough, Adrian. <laughs> well, I'm sure my listeners would like, would love it just fine. Um, but, you know, you've got like a first, would you say you've got like a first move advantage going to podcast that early? Because it wasn't really a big of a thing. Um, oh, no, that's that's the understatement. There were a few hundred thousand podcasts when we started, mm -hmm. but there were none talking about there. Maybe there was one other talking about the connection of faith and yeah. work. Yeah. Um, but we were we were what you would call podcast pioneers because a decade ago, yeah. it was still a pretty new idea. Now there are 10 million podcasts, maybe more. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, back then there are still I've still yet to meet anybody that's got as many podcasts as we do. Uh, I should have started earlier. But uh, I guess never, you know, better late than never, I guess. <laughs> I would agree. I would yeah. agree. So, um, yeah, you were talking about, you know, how your dad got you into um, insurance and entrepreneurship as a whole. Um, would you say entrepreneurship, you know, came naturally to you or how, you know, any challenges that you that's a great question. So my dad got me in the insurance world, but he didn't get me into being an entrepreneur. My dad mm -hmm. was not an entrepreneur. But I was from age eight, I sold door to door greeting cards wow. at a fishing pole. Then I sold newspapers and delivered that's, newspapers. That's but, I sold, <laughs> but I needed a fishing pole. My parents didn't yeah. have any. Uh, <laughs> okay. and, and it was the late 70s when you know money was tight here in the States in the late yeah. 70s. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, I was entrepreneurial. My dad and my mom were not, but I married a woman. When I was 19, Martha and I got married 37 years ago, and her dad was an entrepreneur. And so he was really more of an inspiration for me than my father for being entrepreneurial. Right. First three years, I worked for a company called Liberty Mutual, which I believe they're in the UK under one of the brands that they own. Okay. That was a big monster company. But again, I told you, I struggled with that big company thing where you're just a number, where you couldn't ask questions. You just said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. uh, and after three years, I started my own insurance agency. That was the entrepreneurial bent that freaked my parents out, but it was what I was. I liked living my own world, uh, developing my own rules mm -hmm. and not working 
You know, at Liberty Mutual, I had to wear a suit and a tie and carry a briefcase wherever I went. But most of my customers, when I went to their houses, they had jeans and a t-shirt on, or in the wintertime, jeans and a long sleeve shirt or sweater on. I wanted to look like my customers and not make them feel uncomfortable. And that was more me. And in the summertime, I wore shorts to insurance appointments. Why? Because it's hot here in the summer. (laughs) Not like the UK. I mean, it's hot. You know, it's 90 degrees outside right now. It's too cold in the UK, actually. You wouldn't like it here. Um, But, well, I I get what you mean. I've been. In 1983, I spent... 25 days in the UK and then small parts of Europe. And it was the hottest summer they'd had in decades. It was 90 degrees in London. One day when I was at Piccadilly Circus, I was walking through and I got a, I had to get an ice cold Coke. I was so (laughs) hot. It was so hot there. I always think Coke is the best beverage, you know, in a, you know, in, in a really hot day. It's, it's, it's the best beverage there is, even though like you wouldn't really appreciate it sometimes. Yeah, no, it, it does. It it is very very good. I also had an ice cold Coke one time, in, in the in the uh, tropics when I was uh, working with some business guys in the villages of the Dominican Republic where it was 110 and 90 percent humidity, and yeah. an ice cold Coke was phenomenal. But we're not promoting Coke today. No, I'm more no. Mountain Dew guy today. But you know, anyway, back to you, Adrian. Oh so, yeah, back to the you know main topic. Um, so you got entrepreneurial because of your wife's dad. Um, Correct. So it came naturally to you, obviously, but did you encounter difficulties um, you know, during setting up your business? Yeah, you know, one of the biggest difficulties entrepreneurial is that your income goes up and down. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a paycheck. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a sales cycle. Yeah. Uh, and so you have to learn, you have to learn to budget. Uh, first of all, as a young married couple, no matter who's listening today, if you're a young married couple, you need to learn to budget. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the temptation is to budget at the top of your sales income, not at the bottom. So if your commission checks are big, you tend to budget there. We, so you had to find that middle ground. Uh, that was a challenge. Obviously, growing a business from scratch, it's a three-year deal till you actually are making decent money. So you have to really be conservative and work really hard. We yeah. had two little kids when we started. Uh, and so we worked. Uh, we had an agreement. My wife helped me in the business, and I worked five days a week and three nights a week in order to get us started. Um, I think the biggest difficulty was finding my lane in the States. Back when I started in the insurance business in the early nineties, uh, insurance agents uh, didn't go to people's houses and they didn't work from home. Oh, Martha, okay. and I, Martha and I started our insurance agency uh, working from home in 1994, right about when the internet became widely accessible here wow. in the States. And I started one out of my home and every insurance agent around me said, that'll never work. You can't work from your home. You have to have an office. Yeah. Well, guess what, Adrian? It you did work. You proved them wrong. You proved well, them wrong. It was the wave of the future. I mean, look at today. How many people work from home today around the globe? <laughs> Billions. Billions. Yeah. Billions of people. But yeah. the, the biggest challenge is it's mental. Mm. You, you've got to support your family, but you also have to honor your family marriage and your family in your work mm. and that's a struggle that entrepreneurs around the globe have is you want to grow your business but you still need to honor your wife or your your husband yeah. your spouse yeah. and your children because mm. if you work too hard and ignore them you mm. won't have them to work yeah. for because yeah. they're taking off and they're saying oh, i didn't get married to never see you <laughs> you know so yeah. divorce is divorce is the 
I see a lot of entrepreneurs suffering from divorce because they neglect the things that matter most. So it's that you can't really live a balanced life, but you can sure make sure that you don't screw your priorities up. That's a great point. And you mentioned about the, the amount of pressure on your shoulders, especially when you started out. And I'm always fascinated by how entrepreneurs like yourself um, can manage to withstand you know, such a pressure. Um, any tips for our audience? And I got to tell you, you know, the biggest pressure was number one, I had a great partner, my wife, mm. uh, but also I, I just lived out my faith. My faith in Jesus helped me be successful in business because I had a God to rely on mm. and, and through prayer and obedience. And then listening to my wife, because my wife is the voice of reason. I'm the guy they can drive, go, 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 go. My wife is like, you know what? Yeah. Maybe we should take a day off. Maybe we should. <laughs> week off. Uh, Martha is full of wisdom, even when she didn't know the business. And, and it's important as a guy to listen to your wife, yeah. because often she knows things that you don't know, even though she shouldn't know them, because <laughs> women tend to have this thing called intuition. And, and I believe it's that they actually can hear the voice of God more clearly than, than men can. And if you're not listening to your wife, you're an idiot. So that's what I learned. Well, you, you first need to get married to have a wife. Well, okay, right. But, you know, <laughs> every, every guy should get married because it's the greatest thing. It's the greatest thing ever. Yes, oh. it's marriage is work too. It's yeah. more work than business. Mm. Uh, but it has been rewarding 30. My wife and I have known each other 40 years. We've been married 37 years and oh. they have been amazing years. And we've got great kids and grandkids and it's fun. Well, it gives me hope uh, for single guys like me to try try to find a better half. Um, but, um, you know, again, returning back to the main topic. Um, sure. so but, but you may say it's not the right topic because we're talking about <laughs> meaningful jobs and meaningful work, Yeah. but if your if your personal life is screwed up, mm. it impacts your work. So cool. one day you might meet that woman that just absolutely, you can't speak, you can't eat. Mm. You're so, I mean, you are so enamored by this woman mm. when you marry her. You need to honor her because if your relationship at home is messed up, it will impact everything you do. So the people listening today, Adrian, that are saying, you know what? My job is going great, but at home it's a mess. And so I work even more because I don't want to go home. Well, guess what? If you keep perpetuating that, what you have at home is going to disappear and your work is going to suffer because divorce destroys people. It's a death that keeps on giving for a lifetime. And if you got kids involved, it's it'll destroy your kids. Right. So it may not be the topic, but I'll tell you this, as an entrepreneur, you need to honor your family. Right. And right. if you don't honor your family and you don't honor your spouse, if you've got one, you're going to regret it. You know, we've had guests before on our show um, who are really successful entrepreneurs or business owners, um, but then, you know, the the family problems you know, suffer, uh, began to appear and they lost their way before they found their ground again. But for you, it seems like, you know, from day one, um, you know, you've had a great marriage and you learned how to balance work and family. So do you have any secrets um, to this? So it's a priority list. It's recognizing that, you know, my, in my personal priority list is my relationship with God is my number one. My relationship with my wife is my number two priority my number three priority was my children because we had kids. So that was a priority before my work. And when my work caused me to compromise my family, it was either in agreement with my wife. Like I told you, I worked three nights a week and I did that for almost a decade. Mm -hmm. But we knew that the other two nights a week, 
I was home and I never worked Saturdays and Sundays. Right. I had one appointment on a Sunday in 30 years as an insurance agent. It was because the guy was an over the road truck driver and he was a friend. And that's the only day I could meet with him. Right. But we, we knew we had compromises, but we had priorities too. And we had to balance them and my family needed to be a priority. And we also, once we succeeded to a certain level as entrepreneurs, we took time off every quarter to be as a family. It right. wasn't always a week-long vacation, but we took a four-day weekend. And mm -hmm. we made sure that once a year, we did get away where the phones were off. Even, you know, cell phones were expensive back then, yeah. but we made sure that we had away time and right. it was family time. It, 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 I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, I really admire the fact that you were able to balance, you know, family commitments and, you know, business commitments for more than you know, a few decades. And, you know, with you being a talk show host now as well, um, mm -hmm. would you say you've got you know, more of a, you know, work-life balance or would you say you're, you're still as busy as before? Well, again, I'm going to say that that work-life balance is elusive and it's impossible. It's never going to be perfectly balanced. But yeah. when one gives, the other has to take and you have to be able to go back and forth. You know, mm -hmm. if work is demanding more often, that means that sometime work's going to take a backseat. So the family, you have to, it, it, it's a juggle more than it is a balance. But I would say now I'm 57. I'll be 57 in a couple of weeks. My kids are grown. So I don't have any kids at home anymore. So that part's easier. But now I've got yeah. kids, you know, in the, you know, it's not the UK. So I've got kids that live uh, 650 miles from me, one direction, uh, 950 miles in another direction, and then one that lives wow. next door to me. So I have to maintain those relationships via FaceTime on my iPhone. Uh, so that's part of it. But I, I find I can it actually is easier to get out of balance today because my wife and I could just work. We work together. We could just work all the time. Yeah. Because nobody yeah. just knows nobody. I don't have to go home and eat dinner with my kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but just two weeks ago, we moved my parents from Arizona to Missouri where we live now, which is right in the center of the country. Okay. And, uh, and so now they're my next door neighbors on the other side. And so I have a new thing to juggle because they're almost right. one's 90, one's 89. And you don't know how much time you're going to have with them. So I'd like to be able to honor them yeah. uh, in their last years, mm -hmm. not work too much and actually spend some time with them. So tonight I'll be having dinner with them. So mm -hmm. it's, it, it changes, you know, life is different at 57 than it was at 27, but it's, it's still got its challenges, mm -hmm. but it's also got its great stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think the theme, you know, honor comes, comes up a lot, you know, in your life and you know, in, your in your testimony, um, how would you say you try and honor um, your customers or, you know, your religion um, as an entrepreneur and as a talk show host? I brought up that word religion. I would tell people I'm not a religious guy because religion's about money and power and control. Mm. My savior, who I worship, Jesus, the religious people hated him. They killed him. <laughs> he was yeah. about relationship and I have a relationship with Jesus. I just want to bring that up as a, a, a correction, but yeah. how do I honor? So, my customers today are ministries across the country of the United States and around the world that are discipling people who follow Jesus to live out that faith in Jesus in their work while they're doing excellent work, no matter what that work would be. Right. And so we honor people by letting them share their stories and then sharing their stories with thousands of other people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've got sponsors, people that are supporting what we do on our podcast and I need to honor them by sharing what they do with many other people in order to attract people to what they do. Uh, 
but I also have local, we live in a small town now in uh, Southwest Missouri, which is for people uh, to get a little geography. It's near Oklahoma and near Arkansas and very close to Texas. Hmm. So we have local people that we've run into and we need to honor them. And how you honor local people is just by when you run into people, you just spend time with them. Mm. One of the things about Jesus who, who I follow is he was always busy, but he was never in a hurry. He mm. never missed the people that ran in, ran in front of him. Right, and right. I want to make sure that that's that as business people, as people in the marketplace, yeah. if you want to have meaning and purpose where you work, don't miss the people for the tasks mm. tasks. We will always have tasks. We will always have checklists yeah. and lists. Yeah. You're not always going to have those people. You never know when your friend's going to drop dead. I mean, mm. I'm 57. Mm. I've had a number of friends drop dead already. Wow. I had a friend drop dead when I was in high school. He was 18 years That's old. We graduated from high school and a, and a month later dropped dead, you know, yeah. heart attack during COVID people had millions of people around oh, the world. Yeah. Dead. But just everyday, everyday stuff, people just, yeah, already at 57. I, one of my first close friends died. He went on a roller coaster at Disney and the next day died of a stroke. He was 40 years old. So you don't know when your last day is going to be. Yeah. So don't miss those people because mm. you don't know how much time they have left. And mm. it's the same thing with your own kids. When you get kids, don't miss your kids or your grandkids. Your work's not that important. Mm. You, mm. You, you've got to don't miss the people. The people are what's significant on this planet. Not what you sell, not what you do. It's the people there. And every person is amazing. I guess this brings me to my next point, because I was going to ask about, you know, how you found meaning in work. But I guess at the same time, you also need perspective in terms of, you know, work not being that important. The most important thing is relationships in life. Um, so how do you, you know, bearing this in mind, how do you find meaning in your work? It's a great question. I, I think it's it's got a couple of pieces to the answer. Mm. The first piece is make sure you're doing work that you can do ex in an excellent fashion. You know, mm. if I needed to go work at a Burger King, I think yeah. I could do it. I think I could do it well because you would honor the people. Mm -hmm. uh, I can clean toilets as good as the rest of the other guys because I've had kids. But mm -hmm. do work that you love. Um, because if you do work that you love, you'll never go to work a day in your life. My father-in-law was said that all the time. Mm -hmm. So do work that you love. If you're in a job that's dead end and you're it's beating you up in your head and it's mm -hmm. and, and you're miserable. Find a different job. I don't care if it pays you a lot. No, who cares? Money doesn't matter. When you're on your deathbed mm. and you're dying and you got a few breaths left, you're never going to say, boy, I wish I'd worked more. You're <laughs> never going to say that. You're never. <laughs> ever. So that's that's the that's the first thing. Do work that you love. The other thing to find meaning in your work is is to recognize that whatever product and service it is that you're delivering. You're meeting the need of a customer. Never sell a customer something they don't need. But yeah. when you do sell them something, make sure that it meets their needs and that you deliver well. Whatever yeah. you might be providing a service, maybe providing a product, whatever yeah. it is, you know, honor people because if you take care of people, they will take care of you. If you do an excellent job for somebody, eventually, after three years in the insurance business, after I restarted as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. I never had to make another cold call again. Wow. I had I had warm calls I had, and referrals. All, it was all referrals. That's all it was because I did a really good job for my customers. Mm -hmm. And I, eventually Martha got sick and mm -hmm. the doctors, you guys got to move from Minnesota to Florida, which is 1,750 miles we had to move. So again, yeah. hard for UK people to understand that, but that would be like going from, you know, London to 
Well, uh, not even in like, the UK, but like maybe in no, Russia. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, you'd be in Russia or Israel. I mean, it'd be a long ways away. Yeah. And the doctor said, you got to get out of Minnesota. You're sick. And so we had to sell everything we'd done mm-hmm. and start from scratch again and move to Florida. Wow. Uh, and and that was where it was a struggle because then I was 37 and I had to reinvent myself. And what did I want to be? Did I want to reproduce what I had done for the first 17 years of my career or did yeah. I want to start over again? And that was actually harder than the starting out a college thing. Mm. So, you know, finally, before we end, um, you know, we, we talked about, um, you know, how to find meaning in work, but it's sometimes quite difficult for people who are stuck in high paying jobs or in a job, you know, that society uh, likes, uh, but they don't find meaning in it and they want the change, but it's not as easy as just say, you know, go quit your job, you know, and find something you love to do. So for these people who are struggling, um, you know, any particular advice for them? Yeah, I love the way you said these people that are stuck in high paying jobs, what a miserable existence, but it is. Yeah. Because those high paying jobs always have a ball and chain with them. You know, you might make two, three, $400,000 a year, but they expect you to work all the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. they expect you to work 80 to hundred hours and then always be, your phone's got to always be ready and available. Yeah, there are no You're, free lunches in this world. Right, right. well, well, actually, no, on your birthday in the States, there's all kinds of people, places you can get a free lunch. I don't know about the UK, but you can get free lunch here. Nah, but nah. Here's, here's how you can, here's how you could fix that problem. Yeah. Don't live equal to your, what you're making. Live below your means. Mm. Live, get rid of your debt. So yeah. Martha and I worked on getting debt free, including our mortgage. And by the time we were 40, we had no debt. Right. When you have no debt, You've got freedom. You've got freedom not to be in that high powering, high powered paying, high paying job. Yeah. You've got the freedom to do whatever you want to do, even if it means makes less, make less money so you can have some more free time. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing is get out of debt. Stop yeah. living like the Joneses because the Joneses are <laughs> in debt too. Yeah. And and pay off your debt so you've got choices because you're going to be miserable. And I know more people who are in their mid fifties making tons of money who are miserable. They have everything they want, mm. but they've destroyed their family and they've got debt. They've, I, they got more debt than I don't have any debt. Right. I'm 57. I have zero debt. Right. I know people have a million dollars of debt, but they make a million dollars a year. I'm like, well, that's just stupid. Yeah. Get, rid of, get rid of your debt. You can have freedom. Hmm. Well, that's, you know, words of great wisdom. And, you know, it was great having you on the podcast, Jim. Um, I wish you all the success. Um, I think I work for him. You know, your podcast is doing really well. Um, And, um, you know, all the best. Thank you, Adrian. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. Mm